order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and today we're going to be talking about something that you can't help but see in the news, AI, artificial intelligence. I mean, have you come across any advertisement on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter that does not have something to do with AI? I mean, it's all over the place. AI everything. There's AI calendar apps. There's AI uh, generative writing programs. There's you name it. And any industry that you can think of, there is some type of artificial intelligence product that's being released. But with this new technology, obviously comes lawsuits. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about AI, its rise, and its rise in concerns. I mean, some of the headlines are outrageous. Like some of these these companies and people and creators and artists, they are fuming. And, and I'm not going to say it's not without merit, but we're going to talk about that balancing act between the development of technology that can arguably benefit us all versus what people's concerns are. There's a headline today in the New York Times, not for machines to harvest. Data revolts break out against AI. And that's a common trend. Now, you're going to have people on opposing sides. You have people that are proponents of artificial intelligence, and they say it's great, it's it's you know, it's going to move us forward. I've seen articles talking about how it's going to enhance medical treatment. I've seen articles that talk about how you don't need a lawyer anymore because you've got artificial intelligence and um, all sorts of different sort of perspectives on artificial intelligence. And it really is just such a polarizing topic because what the issue is with AI is that it has to learn from something, right? I, I think that if you've seen or used or fooled around with any of these AI generative programs, you know, one of the, the top one, obviously, is uh, from a company called OpenAI, and it's ChatGPT. Now, I'm sure you've heard of ChatGPT. Um, you might have tried it. You might have fooled around with it, and you might have positive or negative negative things to say about it. There are other companies out there, Jasper AI. Um, they're they're just popping up. It seems like everything from Wix, the website company. Now they've got AI. To Grammarly, they've got AI. Uh, Microsoft AI. We just recently heard that Elon Musk is going to be creating a company that's going to use AI. Um, but again, going back to this polarizing issue, so you've got this one group of people that say it's it's great, and then this other group who are primarily the creatives behind original source content, artists, authors, musicians, and they're upset because, like I said, you've got to train this AI. And they're saying that these companies are using the copyright-protected materials that these creators have generated to train their AI. And that's really what is 
right now the biggest issue because they the creative uh, forces feel that their work is being exploited by artificial intelligence who is now scouring the internet looking at copyright protected materials and using that to help it generate its own responsive responses in a generative AI capacity. So, of course, we've seen a tremendous amount of litigation and legislation. And that's that's it's you know, it's one of these things where yeah, you need laws. But are we going to overstep and are we going to limit creativity or are we going to protect the rights of creators? This is if you have any interest in either technology in being a creator or the law. This is one topic that is really fascinating and groundbreaking because the technology is so new. So if you're following along with these topics, I mean, you're in on the ground level. This is like, for those of you who can remember, back in, in you know the beginning of music streaming services, before we had streaming services, what did we have? We had downloads. Remember Napster? And uh, some of the, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a, a Russian site that's like the butt of every joke that you can think of now about music downloads where you paid a penny. I, I remember this one episode of The Office, I think where Dwight Schrute, I don't know if he was giving uh, Pam um, like a, a, an iPod or something. It was some kind of uh, a music recorder, I remember. <clears throat> and he was telling her, oh, don't worry about paying for it because I, I've got this Russian site. So um, if you remember back to those early days, there were no laws and it was a developing technology that nobody had seen before. I mean, we, we went from eight tracks. Yes. Yes. I remember eight tracks cause I had eight tracks. That's how old I am, but eight tracks. Then we moved into, you know, well, we always had vinyl, but vinyl, eight tracks, cassettes from cassettes. We moved into CDs from CDs. We moved into the digital media, it was Wild West for a while. People were downloading things left and right, arguably um, without giving any compensation, any benefit to the actual creators. And ultimately, legislation was passed that said, hey, you can't do this. Now, in that instant instance, that, that specific music streaming instance, I think that we developed and created legislation that was aimed at both providing the user, the end user, people like you and me, who want to stream our music, who don't want to have to go out and, you know, spend money on uh, an album. If we don't want to, we want to be able to listen to it. But we obviously have to protect the rights of the creators, so we shouldn't be downloading it for free. And what was the balance? Well, the balance is you pay like 10 bucks a month and you get access to a streaming service. And now you can listen to whatever you want. So the creators are happy. The end users are happy. And in that specific case, I think that that worked out quite nicely. Now, ask those people who were on the losing end of a lawsuit during the early Napster days when the record industry was turning around and suing people that were both downloading and uploading or pirating music. Those people did not think that the legislation was good. You know, but that was the sort of 
initial, um, I think, impetus to force people into realizing that pirating music is going to result in negative consequences. And so, you know, I, I think it was relatively limited in that, that initial point of time. But I think overall, some of those laws that were enacted about it were beneficial. Now, fast forward to today, and we're dealing with artificial intelligence. Now, now it's, it's going back to that Wild West days of Napster. You see every company popping up with some kind of AI benefit, even if it's not true AI. I mean, I've seen jokes all over the place about, you know, AI vacuums and but but it's not even a joke anymore because you look at some of these robot quote unquote robot vacuums that they're they're you know developing and you might say to yourself well wait a minute Roombas have been around for quite some time yeah but not at the level of technology that they're working on right now now does that mean that my robot Roomba is going to be able to pick up my dirty clothes off the floor throw them in the laundry basket carry it downstairs and put it in the washing machine Highly unlikely, but I would be all over that if that was a possibility. But what we're seeing is, I think, this Wild West phase of AI. You've got these companies that can't, it's like a space race. They can't create advancements in AI fast enough. And then you've got the creators saying, wait a minute, you're stealing our copyright protected content materials we've got to protect that we're losing money how are we going to do this we need laws and and that's basically where we are right now so before we get into some of these actual lawsuits i want to talk a little bit about the types of ai now when we say ai artificial intelligence you know it, it's a very broad field of computer science that essentially involves creation of smart machines that are capable of performing tasks that don't, well, that normally, I, I would say, I normally require human intelligence. So tasks that normally a human would need to do. They include things from like learning from experiences or, or being trained uh, to learn certain things, uh, understanding how we speak, understanding natural language, recognizing patterns and, and problem solving, and even at some level making decisions. I mean, that's really what artificial intelligence is in a, in a very broad generic sense. Now, there's two main types of AI. There's general AI and there's narrow AI. Now, narrow AI which you might hear referred to as weak AI, is basically artificial intelligence that is designed to perform a very narrow task, such as like voice recognition or um, the Teslas and, and the autopilot function. Um, even Siri or the Google Assistant or the Microsoft, what is, I can't remember his name, uh, uh, if you remember this, the, the Microsoft assistant's name, let me know. Leave a comment somewhere on social media because now it has slipped my mind. Anyway, um, even those sort of digital assistants, that's, that's narrow AI, right? Siri is designed to 
answer a limited set of prompts and responses. Your autopilot in Tesla is programmed to do one thing, and that is to drive. You're not going to be able to you know, have it uh, solve complex math problems for you while you're driving. It's a narrow scope AI. Now, general AI, also known as strong AI, um, it, it is the AI systems that have the ability to perform more intellectual tasks that normally humans would do. And, and this is the adaptive component of AI, where the artificial intelligence can, quote unquote, understand, adapt, and really implement the knowledge that it has been trained uh, in a very similar way to human intelligence. Now, that type of advanced AI, where it is capable of thinking essentially on its own, doesn't exist. But you can see how generative AI could, in theory, develop to a point where, and, and this becomes a moral, a scientific, a, an ethical you know, sort of dilemma, does it have autonomy? Can you create an artificial brain that will ultimately and eventually think on its own? I, I have no idea. No idea. But that's where this AI, this more general AI is sort of going. So you've got the narrow AI where you've got Siri, right, which has been around for quite some time now, and you can see how it is now branching off into a, a larger, more general AI where companies are racing to have the artificial intelligence take over tasks that humans would, would normally do. Okay, now, AI in general has a lot of subfields. So we're going to talk about that real quick and then get into some of these lawsuits. So some of the, um, but let's just call them subsets, some subfields of AI. You've got machine learning AI, and this really focuses on a um, computer or machine and algorithms and statistics and things like that that help the machine, for lack of a better word, improve performance over time without being specifically programmed. Um, in other words, it's kind of learning from algorithms and from um, the you know, statistical models, right? So that's kind of like machine learning. Then you've got deep learning, which is where it kind of imitates how we as humans think and process data for decision-making. Um, this is something that I think we'll, we're going to see in the future, this deep learning where you've got the machine processing thoughts like we do. Then you've got natural language processing. Um, this is more AI that, that focuses on interaction between humans and, and computers through natural language. I mean, essentially allowing computers to understand general human language. And, and that you can see that in some of the voice commands that we give to our technology. 
Um, there's two other fields. There's computer or subsets. Com- computer vision, where AI um, trains computers to interpret and understand what we see. You know, using di- digital images um, to create learning. And, you know, it, I think you can see its, its beginnings with things like, uh, I don't know, that Google app, for example, you can take a picture of something that can kind of like search the internet to see if you can find the same thing or what it is. Now, that, that's very limited in scope. It's a bad example. You know, it, it's primarily for consumers to search, hey, what is this thing here? What, what is this product? Let me take a picture of it and, and, and have Google tell me what it is. But you can see where it's going and how that's the beginning. And then finally, robotics, which is nothing new. I mean, look at, at, at auto manufacturing plants, right? Talk to people that used to work at the plants that were put out of business years ago by robots. Well, robotics is, I think, developing, but it seems to be developing at a different rate than AI as a standalone. Now, obviously, AI combined with robotics can create a system of machines that can perform complex tasks, either autonomously or semi-autonomously. So that's really what we're talking about when we talk about AI. I mean, we could go even deeper into it. I'm not going to do that um, because this isn't a, a science show. Um, But I think it's just interesting to kind of get some deeper knowledge about AI and and its different components. Now, let's talk about what we're seeing both in litigation and uh, in the news. So recently, and I, I put a post up on social media about the Sarah Silverman. She's the comedian who sued OpenAI and Meta, which is Facebook's parent company, claiming that AI was trained, essentially, to infringe on people's copyrights. And she was talking about her book. I think believe the book is called The Bedwetter. And she claims in her lawsuit that um, OpenAI essentially allowed ChatGPT to learn from these books, to read i you know in it however the the machinery the uh artificial intelligence would would quote unquote read to scour all this copyright protected material and then learn from it now this is an interesting you know lawsuit because is learning from something necessarily copyright infringement i'm going to argue no We learn from things all the time. We mimic things all the time. You know, you might be a small business owner and you might see, uh, let's say you're a bakery and and Sally starts making, you know, blueberry cookies and you see it and you're like, all right, I'm going to make blueberry cookies too, but I'm going to make mine a little bit better or a little bit different or I'm going to put some, I don't know, additional components to it. I'm going to advertise it differently. Now, is that your original idea? Were you the originator of blueberry cookies? No. But you looked at it, you modified it, and you created it. I mean, isn't that really what 
we as a society have done on a global factor? I mean, do, do I need to even point out the fact that, you know, we could work hard here in America, come up with a brilliant uh, piece of equipment, machinery, vehicles, whatever it might be, and you give it enough time and you're going to see knockoffs of that product pop up in, in, in manufactured in China. So, all right, there's copyright issues that we we deal with on a regular basis. So, for example, you'll see things where, and we've talked about this on this show and on the social media before, there's a lot of, of like designer companies who are suing companies that make knockoffs. Okay, there's recourse for that. But the idea, the idea, not the end infringing product, right? Not the copied Louis Vuitton bag, but the idea to create something based on something that already exists. Is that infringement? And I argue that it's not. Just going back to the blueberry cookie example again. The guy that saw the original cookie didn't say, I'm going to break in one night. I'm going to go to the cookie recipe book. I'm going to steal that and I'm going to make my own cookie. That's, you know, the same thing. No, he got an idea. He, he learned from what somebody else was doing. We learn from what people are doing. We model successful people and try to do similar things. So aren't we, aren't, isn't our human brain learning the same way that these lawsuits, the Silverman lawsuit claims AI is learning? Don't we read a book and then develop our own thoughts based off of that book? But, but isn't that book in the back of our mind? Isn't what we read in the back of our mind? Now I'm playing devil's advocate here because I have no idea. I don't know the answer to this. I know that I can see the benefit to artificial intelligence. Now, you, you might say, oh, yeah, there, there is benefit, but there's also an equal amount of negatives associated with it. And you're right. You know, people are concerned that AI are going to put them out of work. Artificial intelligence is going to put them out of work. Go back to what I said about the auto manufacturers. You know, people lost their jobs in Detroit because of robots. Now, is that going to happen again? We've already seen things like blog writers are, are afraid they're going to be out of business. Artists are afraid that, that they're going to be out of business. Graphic designers. There's even lawyers concerned that they're going to be out of business because people are going to use AI instead of a lawyer. So, you can see both sides. I have no idea what's wrong or right. I know that I like the idea of technology evolving. It's funny because I like the idea of technology evolving, but if I could go back in time, I'd go back to the 80s. So I like, I like cassettes. I like having to stick my pencil in the little cassette slot when you know the, the machine eats your tape and rewind it. So I like that nostalgia. I like the old fashioned. I like the, you know, idea of going back to a simpler, simpler, quote unquote, simpler time. But at the same time, I like advancements in technology. So I myself am very confused about the whole thing. Um, and, and obviously, right, you hate to see 
technology taking the place of human ingenuity or or work. You don't want to see people put out of business. But at the same time, since the beginning of time, we have seen people put out of business or having to adapt to a new way of, of earning an, a living because of technology. I mean, we are constantly evolving. The fact that I'm going, to, I'm going to equate it to a battery on your cell phone. So you start off your day, you've got 100% battery, and you're good. And it seems like the battery's going down slowly, slowly, slowly. All of a sudden, you hit 40%, and then the next thing you know, you're at 10%, right? So that, that bottom half of the battery, you know how quickly that, that last bit of, of battery goes? Well, I'm going to apply that to technology development. In the beginning of time, cave people, you know, whatever you want to call them, made tools out of stones and spears and hunted and then slowly started to develop. And then ancient scholars and the Egyptians, and you keep moving through that timeline of history, slowly technology evolves, slowly then all of a sudden, you get to a point where here we are today, and it's like that last percentage of your battery. Before you know it, there's technology things popping up left and right. I mean, when you think about the fact that OpenAI only really started pushing and, and promoting and developing ChatGPT really at the middle end of last year, when you look at how far it's come, it's just crazy how quickly it's developed. So, you know, you understand both sides. I lost, lost my train of thought, went, went off track completely because when you think about what I just said, it really rings true. We're at that end of the battery where things are moving so rapidly and it's, it's overwhelming. You know, and you wonder, can we keep moving forward without taking away all of the benefits of AI and yet still protect people's rights and interests? Now, there's another article in NPR. Uh, the title is, Thousands of Authors Urge AI Companies to Stop Using Their Work Without Permission. And, you know, you can see where these class actions are going to start developing and these individual claims um, but it's going to be interesting to see exactly what I said before which is we as humans look at things that already exist develop ideas and then use those ideas to sort of formulate what we're going to do next isn't that how the brain works isn't that what we're doing we're looking at things and we're seeing what works, how to make it better. We're, we're growing, learning from certain, you know, arguably copyright protected materials. So that's going to be a really interesting sort of um, development that we're going to look at. Now, this other uh, lawsuit against Google talks about, well, the allegations are 
that it stole data from millions of users to train AI. Now, some of this language is lawyerly, flowery um, wording and, and manipulation. Um, you know, when we look at this, are we going to see that Google actually stole data from users? I, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's, it's the plaintiff's burden to prove that. Um, but last week, Google was hit with a lawsuit um, alleging that it scraped data from millions of users without their consent in violation of copyright law in order to train and develop its AI products. Um, this is a proposed class action against Google and its parent company, Alphabet, and Google's AI subsidiary, DeepMind. Now, this was filed in federal court in California. Um, there are other suits out there. In fact, the, the, the law firm that filed this one against Google also filed one against OpenAI um, last month. So clearly, you've got some lawyers that are trying to take advantage of this and, and bring all these, these lawsuits. Um, but in this Google one, the complaint, I read through it, basically alleges that Google has been secretly stealing everything ever created. And that, that's a quote from the, the actual pleading. Everything ever created and shared on the internet by hundreds of millions of Americans and then using the data to train its AI products such as Chatbot, Bard. Um, basically, they're saying that Google has taken, this is also a quote, quote, virtually the entirety of our human knowledge and stolen it. The entirety of our, they call it the digital footprint, in create, including creative and copywritten works to build its products. So they're saying that, that by scouring the internet, they're training their AI to learn from everything, including copyright-protected materials, steal from it, and then generate their, their, their products. And this is where it's going to become really interesting and really confusing because if you go back to my analysis about how we think and how we analyze things, we read something and then we implement what we've read. We're not stealing what we've read. We're, we're formulating our own um, thought process based on things we, we learn. I mean, that's how we develop our personalities. That's how we develop our passions because we are learning from things that go on around us. We're absorbing it like a sponge, and then we are using that to train our minds as to how we are going to react in the future. So you can argue, in a sense, that it's the same thing as what AI is doing, but you can also argue the other end of that and say, no, they're, they're stealing, which is what these lawsuits say, stealing information that's copyright protected. I don't know where this is going to go. I hate to see authors and creative people losing out on things that they have, you know, really worked tirelessly on um, to perfect. I mean, writing a book is no small feat. So you hate to see that. But you also hate to see technology stalled when it does have a tremendous amount of benefits for us. So that's really... Um, going to be interesting to see now the other component of that is i don't know many people that think that 
heavy-handed government oversight and legislative control over things is a good idea ever. Maybe some people do. Maybe some people, you know, think that it's better to have more laws than less laws. I don't know. I I think that, you know, it, it becomes a struggle when any entity or government begins to control access to things. I mean, think about uh, some of these people in, in countries where the internet is limited, North Korea, for example. You know, you're limited with what you can see and do. Obviously, nobody here in America wants that. We're, we're so proud of and, and you know, thrilled by our freedoms. I mean, that's why people come to this country, you know, for freedom. The freedom to do what we want to do, to learn what we want to learn, to become who we want to become. So it, it becomes a struggle when government or uh, legislative bodies are too heavy-handed, and we hope that doesn't happen because we don't want to stall the development of AI, but we also want to protect the rights of others. So very, very uh, interesting, very challenging, and I'm going to end this one with a quick thought. Now, I happen to be a science fiction fan, and one of my favorite, all-time favorite television shows is the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. So for those of you who don't know, look it up. Um, it, w- it came out in like 2004, 2005, 2003. It was on sci-fi. To me, it still to this day is one of the best science fiction shows that was ever created. And if you are... As old as I am, you'll remember the original Battlestar Galactica from 1978, 79, where it was, you know, more fun. It was kind of like a Star Wars knockoff in a sense and um, was kind of surface level, right? But the reimagined series, completely different, extremely deep. And it's, it's funny to see or ironic to see how... Some of the moral and ethical issues that they deal with on that show are actually coming true today. And, and you could even go to, to shows like um, Star Trek The Next Generation and, and Data, the, the, I think he was an android. I think that was his technical term. Um, cyborg, android. Uh, but but the point is that in Battlestar Galactica, and I won't spoil it for you, but it has been so many years, so I think I'm pretty spoiler safe. Um, the idea, the premise behind it is that humans created Cylons, which were, were robots that had artificial intelligence in their chips that helped them perform mundane tasks that humans didn't want to do anymore. Cleaning carrying things, delivering things, um, the same things that we humans are looking for AI to do. We don't want a vacuum, so we have an artificial intelligence vacuum do it. We don't want to you know, have products delivered, so we use a, a, an artificial intelligence-guided drone. So there's all these, these different things that are developing that are very... Uh, similar to to those issues in shows like Battlestar Galactica. So um, look it up if you haven't seen it. I'm not going to go into that uh, the, the topics of the show, but suffice it to say, 
these artificial intelligence robots that were created by the humans eventually evolve and and rebel. So are we on the brink of an AI robot revolution? I don't know that we're there yet, um, but I think we are at that Wild West stage of development in this technology. And these lawsuits that we talked about today, they are only going to become more prevalent. You're going to see it everywhere. If you just go into Google News and search AI lawsuits, I mean, they're, they're all over the place. They're going to pop up and then in a couple of years, when things settle down, when we've got some rules that apply, I think we're going to see AI start to focus itself on you know how it benefits us as a society, as a human race, and hopefully, you know, we don't create AI that becomes autonomous and kills us. Well, we'll see where that goes, but I think we're safe for for quite some time. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Hopefully you found this topic interesting. I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I, I can't get enough of it. I think it's both from a technological perspective and from a legal perspective, completely fascinating. I'm going to follow along with it and see what other developments there are as time progresses. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, a lot of you are listeners to the podcast, but you're not subscribed. Make sure you subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.